Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Statesman.com. It's Tuesday, it's Longhorn Confidential time. I'd rather talk about Turkey and Thanksgiving, but we have a little football to talk about first. Uh, Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman, Cedric Gold and Kirk Bowles. Um, said we're only a couple days removed from a trip to lovely Lawrence, Kansas, uh, where we saw Texas record a 55-14 to 14 win over the Jayhawks. There isn't much to talk about game-wise. Kind of went as we expected, but there's one guy to talk about, Mr. B. John Robinson. 25 carries, 243 yards, four touchdowns at times. It looked like it was a video game. It looked like it was a highlight reel. Um, you were in the press box. We were ooing and I, and along with everyone else that covered Texas, that covered Kansas. I mean, that guy was just a highlight film on Saturday. Overall thoughts on what you saw from Mr. Robinson on uh, on Saturday? First of all, I thought it'd be a little closer than that. Um, uh, I don't know how many times me and you looked at each other and said, stupid. This is stupid. He's an idiot. This is ridiculous. You're not supposed to be able to do what he did. I mean, if he's not the best running back in the country, then who is? Who is? I have no idea. Uh, to have those kind of feet, to have that kind of ability. Um, he reminds me of Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings, about the same size. Uh, just, just a big dude who can run. And... Uh, you know, after about two quarters of it, Kansas wanted no, they wanted no parts of him. And I know we talked to his teammates and they were like, man, we see it all the time in practice. And uh, even Quinn yours was like, man, I had the best seat in the house and I'm still blown away by it. Um, all I'll say, and I know senior day's coming up and he's not a senior, but I'll say what I said to him two weeks ago, gonna miss him. Great kid off the field, great player on the field. Just a pleasure to have covered him for three seasons. Yeah, I think our friends at Inside Texas have probably the best photo of the day. Um, Michaela Compton obviously shot a lot of great art for us, but you know, there was one photo they had where Bijan's running in the end zone. And you could see Quinn in the background going, this <laughs> is completely, completely gobsmacked. And I think that may have been the photo of the weekend uh, from the Texas beat. Uh, Kirk, from your viewpoint at home, I know you were – Covering the the volleyball match there, uh, senior senior night against Baylor later in the night. But from what you saw, what did you see from from the couch? More of the same. <laughs> I mean, you know, even Sark said we kind of take for granted, you know, how good he is and how special a player he is. And you know, I, we were talking to him yesterday, and I asked him, "Have you adjusted your running style?" And he went, "No, not really." He said, "The only thing is, I'm running over more people." You know, he said he, he put on a little bit more weight. He was like 210 or so last year, and he's up to about 220. And he's, he's kind of done his research. He said, I think that's kind of the ideal weight. Saquon Barkley's like 225. Alvin Kamara's kind of in that range. And, you know, Derek Henry's an outlier. He probably weighs 280. But uh, <laughs> we've seen it. <laughs> maybe 250. <laughs> well, not maybe. He is 250. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is about – 
He's got so many weapons. He's got the stiff arm. He's got the spin move like nobody else. And he makes you miss and he keeps going. And you think the play's over. And, you know, who was it? Was it Jordan Whittington telling us yesterday? He said, how many times I'm blocking on the right? He's running on the left and I'm kind of running over. And you think the play's dead? Oh, he squirts out and gets more yardage. So he's just a special running back. And he's, he's uh, Texas Longhorn royalty at a position that, where they know and appreciate royalty. He's that good. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, currently, uh, Bijan is tied for fifth on the all-time rushing chart with 3,321 yards. Pretty sure he's going to pass uh, Chris Gilbert uh, on his first carry on Friday. But the question is Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles has 3,328 yards. So I guess there, that's not really a question. I thought there was much, a lot more distance uh, there. But when you start... No. Thinking of the when you start thinking of the great running backs in Texas history, the Rickies, the Cedrics, the Earls. Obviously, Ricky and Earl won Heisman. Cedric had a great four year career. Where do, where does Bijan kind of stack up? Is he does he deserve to be above Jamal? Is is it more of a conversation with you know the Roosevelt leagues? Obviously, uh, Deontay Foreman had that great one season. Um, does he need to win the Doak Walker Award in order to be in that conversation? Where does where does Bijan kind of stack up in this great list of uh, Texas running backs? I'm going to put him fourth. Um, uh, I, I think that uh, you know, Rosie Leakes is a is a a superstar with sociological impact here at Texas. He was the first black star at Texas, so you can't take that away from Rosie. Uh, Chris Gilbert was great in his day, um, but I got to go Earl. I got to go Ricky. Said Benson, the only running back in school history for 1,000-yard seasons. That is never going to be topped. Someone might tie it. But you know what? In this day and age, if you're great, you're not staying for four years. So um, so I put Said third, and then I go Bijan, uh, Jamal, fourth and fifth, and then Mr. Gilbert. That's my list. You know, for me, he may be third. He He's right there. To me, Earl was the man among boys. Earl was one of those rare talents that probably could have gone directly from high school to the NFL and done quite well. And uh, Ricky was obviously special. Uh, one thing I just point out is that Ricky and Earl and Cedric were all here four years, you know, and two of them won the Heisman Trophy in their last years, where this is third year for Bijan Robinson. So, you know, he might would put up numbers close that might threaten, you know, Ricky's 6,000 plus yards if, if he stayed around. And he's such, he's got such good hands, you know. He took umbrage at Sark saying Jatavian Sanders may have the best hands on the team and said, I think I have the best hands. And we all remember that one handed catch. Was that West Virginia, Iowa State? Which game was that? And yeah, the one-handed catch for a loss. Yeah, it was superhuman, a phenomenal catch. So, you know, to me, you know, I'm writing about it this week, and I'm kind of wrestling with that. He's definitely top five, and I think he's more versatile than Jamal Charles was. And Jamal was such a home run hitter. He had so much speed. We used to write about him like he's always trying to get to the outside. And Bijan, he's an inside runner. He's an outside runner. He's a pass receiver. He picks up pass uh, rushes on blitzes and stuff like he is a complete running back. So, you know, I would probably, you know, lean toward making the argument and he deserves to be top three, if not tied for third with Cedric Benson and maybe Jamal Charles. 
Um, just to clean up my mess from earlier, uh, Bijan and Chris both have uh, 3,231 yards. Jamal Charles is 3,328 yards. So um, Bijan needs one yard to surpass, break that tie with Chris Gilbert, 98 to pass Jamal Jamal into fourth place. Earl has almost four, four, 405, 4,500 <laughs> yards. So he's not going to get to third. Let's just keep that part moving. Yeah, unless, just, and unless Chris. He comes back for another year, which we don't think he's, he's, he's playing it keeping it close to the best, but we, we think he's gone. Um, as Kirk alluded to, Kirk uh, got got some one-on-one time with Bijan um, yesterday at the media availability, so he'll be writing about that for Friday's newspaper, so be sure to check out that on statesman.com or pick up a print copy wherever you pick up print copies these days. But let's talk about Friday. Let's talk about the Baylor game. Um, you know, there's a lot on the line, um, even though this may not have the hype as some – past Texas Baylor games, there is some stuff on the line. Both teams are going bowl. Um, we'll be going to a bowl this season. Uh, Baylor is six and five on the season, four and four in Big 12 play. Texas seven and four, five and three in Big 12 play, 11 o'clock on ESPN. Ironically, uh, Robert Griffin will be on the call, a part of the ESPN broadcast team. So I'm sure they'll have some highlights to show of him uh, versus Texas from back in the day. But overall, uh, Seth, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this game and, um, you know, what's on the line on, on Friday. Well, you know, they still harbor hopes of winning a big 12 title. And if they beat Baylor and Kansas beats K state, we're going to all be at Jerry world next week, but um, odds are not very good. Um, they can be Baylor, but the odds of Kansas going in that little apple and winning are probably aren't very good. Um, Baylor's physical and, and physical teams can give Texas problems. And, um, Shapin, not a not a great quarterback. He's up and down. He has big play potential, but uh, he's hurt them in their losses. Uh, they're coming off a tough, tough last second loss to TCU. Uh, Baylor rarely gets blown out. I think Texas um, should keep it simple with Bijan, just like they did this past week, and and uh, not worry about hitting home runs because that's the formula to win. With that said. Dave Aranda always has something up his sleeve. The Baylor coach is a defensive coordinator by trade. And uh, I do not expect this to be a blowout. I think that Baylor's going to come in here believing it could be Texas. I think this is a, a last two possession type game. Yeah, it could be a lot. Uh, Richard Reese, the freshman running back for Baylor versus Bijan and and Roshan and likely their final games at, at DKR. I mean, they gash. TCU, 232 yards rushing, and I was watching that game, and it was just they, – they controlled the tempo of that game and, and should have won, but, you know, Blake Shaper. Hey, did you see the look on Bijan's face? Yeah, yeah, he was – oh, You know they ran for 232. So what? Ooh. Yeah. He, he was almost angry. He was almost angry because he yeah, got – Yeah, he was taken aback. He was. And Reese and Squirrel Williams, they're, they're a good tandem, same as Texas. So – you know, I think both teams will like to lean on the running game. Now, Blake Shapin, like you, you know, he's got 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. You know, Quinn's got 14 and six interceptions. There's not that much difference between them. And Blake Shapin left a lot of points on the on the field last last week. He threw an interception in the end zone right before half, and then he, you know, didn't lead Baldwin on a, a wide open throw from about the 40 yard. It would have been an easy walk in touchdown. There's 10 points right there. So, uh, and it's interesting, guys, six and five Baylor, a year after, what did they win? 12, mm-hmm. win the Big 12, win the Sugar Bowl. So, 
you know, just as much as it's turned for Baylor, uh, you know, Texas, I hate to say it, but it looks like they've kind of turned the corner. You know, they play great against Kansas. They played uh, great defensively against TCU. They, they had a great first half, Danny, and you and I were at K-State and just kind of held on. But, you know, they've won – what do they won? Like five out of seven games? So – and now they're in the poll again. So I'd say it, but I'm kind of back on the believe bandwagon. How about you guys? Sorry. Sorry. Well, we'll, we'll see. Every single time they oh. – all they kind of get kicked out because of a – a bad loss. I, I think this game is going to be decided in the first quarter. Um, I really want to see um, how the Texas team comes out, knowing that, hey, you know, they could be playing in San Antonio. They could put, be playing in New Orleans, just depending on what happens this weekend as far as their bowl projections are concerned. And then, I, you know, that was a devastating loss last week for Baylor. Like, that is one of those gut punch, mm-hmm. gut-wrenching losses. And I, I'm curious to see how the Bears come out and see – if they're just completely heartbroken and, you know, hey, let's just get to this offseason, get to the postseason um, and move on, or if they just come out angry and furious about how last week went. So I think we're going to know a lot in the first quarter. Um, and, you know, Texas is a team that stuff, a lot of stuff happens in the second half, but I think <laughs> we're going to know pretty early how this game is going to go. Um, said you kind of laid out the scenarios. Texas needs to win. It also needs Kansas State to lose to Kansas um, in order to make the Big 12 championship game. Kansas has lost 13 straight in this series. So on paper, that's not a good number if you're a Longhorn fan. But this Kansas team is a little bit better um, than Kansas teams and than Kansas teams of years past. They do have some good wins. I think they would love to go into Manhattan and spoil the season for their biggest rival. But do you think this is going to happen? Do you think everything Texas needs uh, to happen is going to happen this weekend? Or are we going to be preparing for a bowl game starting starting next week? Kirk, we'll start with you. I give Kansas maybe a 1% chance, maybe two, if I'm being optimistic. I just think Kansas State's just got too much to play for, you know, and I, it's hard to manufacture, you know, that enthusiasm and that uh, full-out intensity that I think Kansas State and Texas will both have in their games this year. I mean, that Kansas defense is pretty lacking, you know, and the fact that they get them in Manhattan – you know, have that crowd behind them, Saturday night game with so much uh, on the line for them. I give Kansas next to no chance to pull the upset. I agree. I think Deuce is going to get loose. Us, Kansas, Kansas hasn't been in a Big 12 title game in a minute. And so I'm um, in Kansas State. And so this is their chance. And they're at home. They're tough at the house. The um, – the Jayhawks don't don't really stand up to them, even though it's good to see Jalen Daniels back. So I'm 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 thinking it's gonna be like a it's a 21 point win for K State and Daniel. We're probably you know where we're probably gonna be in a few in about a month from now. You know where we're gonna be. Um, the good thing is you don't have to. You're gonna you can bring Chuck with you if you want and. You know, and maybe we can visit the Alamo. How about that? I'm not gonna s- year. I'm not gonna subject my son to the Alamo Bowl. Um yeah, but I, I agree with you. I, I think Texas does take care of business on Friday, but I think Kansas State's winning this conference title. So they can't do that if they lose on Saturday. So you think Kansas State's gonna be gonna be TCU? 
I think Kansas State should have beat TCU a couple of weeks ago, but everything possible that could have gone wrong for them went wrong for them. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, this TCU team is is good and Sonny's done a great job, but they've also been walking a tightrope for the last couple of weeks. And I think uh on the, the Wildcats knocked them, knocked them off it. But in order for that to happen, I mean Texas is staying home next week. And I just think that's just what's gonna happen. And then we can discuss which hurt more, the Texas State loss, the Oklahoma State loss, maybe that TCU loss. Um, Texas has had its chances, but I think Kansas State gets it done. Um, on Friday, it's senior day. Texas hasn't necessarily announced who's going to be participating in the senior day festivities, but they did say there's going to be about 30 names on that list. Um, we're not going to consider um, B. John for this exercise because, A, he's a junior, and even though we don't think he's going to be back, let's uh, shine some light on those seniors. Um which senior do you think has had the best season this year? Kirk, we'll start with you. Well, I'm a big Demo Overshown fan. I mean, ever since he moved from safety to linebacker, he's just gotten better and better, but he's been overshadowed by Jalen Ford, the junior linebacker, who I think we probably agree probably should be the Big 12 defensive player of the year. So That's not the question. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to – you know what? I'll take an outlier and I'll go with Ryan Watts, the cornerback. He's a senior, isn't he? Isn't he going to walk? He's listed as a senior on the depth chart. You never know anymore. Jordan Whittington could come back and stuff. So, well, Demo, I'll pick Demo then to make sure because you never know who's coming back and who's leaving. But uh, he's got, I think, 82 tackles. He's not too far behind Jalen Ford's uh, uh, 92. So, uh, you know, I think he's been very productive here. So I'll go with Demo. You know what? Keontre Coburn a.k.a. Snacks, has had one hell of a, a senior year. He's on the radar now. He's going to be in a camp somewhere. He's one of the most improved big men in the country. He's consistently graded out in the top 10 of his position each week and um, made, made arguably the defensive play of the year in Manhattan with the, with the strip. Um, I think that Snacks has had a great year. The front four, remember we were like, these guys need to step up in the spring because they had all the experience and they hadn't put up the numbers. But I think he has been the linchpin of that front four. He's done a great job in the locker room as a leader, and he's shown up on the field. I'm going to go with Snacks. Who you got, Danny? Yeah, you know, Ryan Watts is definitely a, a junior. He's a third-year player. No need to give Texas fans a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, he he could leave, but if um, he wants to come back, he'll be more than mm-hmm. welcome back by PK and the rest of that defensive coaching staff. You know, you could pick a lot of guys on that defense, um, whether it's Snacks, whether it's Moros, had a pretty good year. Ovi has been pretty solid the entire season. Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, um, Demo. I'm going to go on offense. Um I think Christian Jones has been a really solid um, member of this offensive line. Um, I think from him, him coming off the season he had, had last year at left tackle, there are a lot of questions whether he should be a starter, whether he should be, um, you know, whether he was a depth piece, whether he should even come back for this season. Um, but, you know, he moved to right tackle. He's been pretty solid throughout the entire season. He hasn't been a problem. No one's been like, oh, my gosh, what's going on the right tackle? I think this offensive line for the most part, has been pretty solid. I mean, they've been tested at some points throughout the season, but I think Christian Jones, especially with as young as that offensive line is this season, they needed a senior to play well and they needed a senior to provide leadership. And I think Christian Jones has done both. Um, he's been kind of the 
the team, the offensive line spokesman throughout the season, as most seniors usually do with us. He's been a delight to talk to throughout the season um, and really poised in those media settings. And I know in media settings doesn't, you know, doesn't really matter if you're not getting it done on the field, but I think he's got it done on the field too. So I'm going to go Christian Jones. Um, I think he's had a very solid season. That's not something I expected coming to this season. And I think um, a lot of Texas fans probably echo my thoughts. So Christian's done a really good job and um, I think Texas will miss him next year, but I think he's done a good job of kind of paving the way for some of those younger, younger offensive linemen, but you also shout out to Roshan, of course. I mean, Roshan and Jordan Whittington, those guys, older guys on this offense, we don't expect to see back, even though they do have another year of eligibility. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've stepped up and been really solid um, contributors to this offense this season. But um, yeah, let's kind of move on. As we said, Friday football game uh, or Friday football game, 11 o'clock at, at DKR. Other stuff going on around campus. Volleyball team plays on Wednesday at West Virginia. Um, number one in the country in the ABCA poll. We'll see if they are the number one overall seed on Sunday when the NCAA reveals its uh, brackets for the tournament, which will start next week. Men's basketball, they'll be in action on Saturday as well. Um, so after the football game, uh, you guys can leave the stadium, but you're not going to the Moody Center. You're going to Gregory Gym. They're playing UT RGV and kind of that special thing that Chris Beard likes to do, which is a cool um, event. Um, at least I imagine I wasn't there last year, but I can imagine that would be kind of cool to see a basketball game over in Gregor Gym. Women's basketball team is in action on Sunday. They will host Princeton. Um, rough week for the Longhorns, but they did win on Monday after dropping a number 19 in the poll. Um, Rory Harmon should be back on Sunday. Um, and then Annette Smith-Knight is getting her um, jersey retired, her number 15 jersey retired before the game on Sunday. So all the uh, old-time uh, Longhorn fans remember that championship team um, can go honor Annette and uh, celebrate the Longhorns getting back to the Moody Center. But the big thing, Thanksgiving, that's on Thursday. Um, we like to eat. We're sports writers. We've never turned down a free meal, but on Thanksgiving, what is the, what, what are, what are we eating boys? What is the meal of choice? What's the one thing that, uh, your Thanksgiving table must have? Good. I'm, I'm going to Coleman, Texas to be with my stepmother-in-law and a much extended family. And they have great pies when we go to Coleman, but, uh, I'm a turkey and dressing guy, extra gravy. I could eat that, uh, all year long. It, to me, it's right up there with Tex-Mex and, and barbecue, but turkey and dressing does it for me. I'm not a pecan pie guy. No, no, me neither. Oh, never, <laughs> liked it. never liked it. Now, I don't like candy yams either or sweet potatoes. Or candy corn. <laughs> I'll eat that. I like candy corn. I'm, like, I'm with Daniel. Um, I'm going to go turkey and dressing is my staple. And... Um, I'll be spending Thanksgiving. This is the first Thanksgiving in, uh, I want to say, 17 years that I'm not covering the Cowboys. We don't really care about them anymore. Um, you know, I know we don't. Um, and uh, so I'm going to be spending it with my cousin, uh, my cousins, the choices, and I'm taking over a Greenberg turkey, the best, the most famous smoked turkey in the world from Tyler, Texas. I'm taking that over. Um, if I could get some fried corn from my mom, it'd be great. But I'm thinking about it. And she's not a podcaster, but I'm probably if the, um, I'm probably gonna go to Tyler after the Baylor game. Baylor, are you taking the turkey? What turkey? I'm taking the turkey to my cousins. Yes, but you're not cooking it. It's already cooked. 
Oh, nice. Kind of warm it up. Danny, you cooking? I mean, I'm not cooking. I'll be just the lazy guy in the corner who'll be more than happy to eat everyone else's everyone else's hard work. But um, obviously, you know, turkey. Uh, give me some cranberries. I'll be storing some on the side to get myself a nice sandwich on on Friday and Saturday. Love that leftover turkey sandwich. And then, yeah, I'm all about the pumpkin pie, which is a unpopular opinion in my family. Um, but that just means they're going to get a pumpkin pie, and no one aside from me is going to eat it. So. That just means a whole pie for myself to work on over the next next few days, and I am more happy about that. So, gotta you gotta, run you run all the time, so you could eat two pies, Daniel. Gotta gotta, I guess, what is work work harder, not smarter, work smarter, not harder. That's that's my motto when it comes to the pie selections. But uh, on Second Thought Podcast, are you doing that this week? Or are you boys taking a pick, taking a week off? No, we're trying to decide. I was trying to see if we could get RG3 on. Uh, ESPN guy hadn't returned my email yet, so it, it's up in the air. So we'll see. Get RG3. We're gonna be we're gonna be on the air. If we don't get RG3, we'll see you in December. So Thursday. If there's a podcast, there's a podcast. There isn't. You know, enjoy enjoy the time with your family. But yeah. you know, we're gonna get out of here. We appreciate you all. We're thankful for y'all um, watching this on YouTube. Downloading the podcast, checking out statesman.com, checking us out on Facebook, however you do um, digest this uh, weekly video. We do appreciate that. We'll be back next week. Not really sure what our schedule is going to be like after that as we start transitioning into bowl season and the off season. But we will be back next week. And once again, thanks for checking out statesman.com and happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you all later. Be safe. I don't know what that was, but all right. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.